This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the sounding board for Drink Wise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to drink wise. Damien Barrett, Craig Hutchison with you in the South Bank Studios. And Hutchie, this is unusual. You're in the same studio as me. And I feared this time last week, I may not see you again. You were going to India. And I actually thought today we were doing this podcast with you in India. But you've, you're back. And you look as good as ever. I told you I'd be back. How are you, Damo? It was... Jane said you are going to be in India. And I get in here today and there you are. <laughs> it was fantastic, Damo. Result aside, which was pretty hard to cop and pretty confronting to see the loss in that period of time. But as a first-time person in the subcontinent, mm. just remarkable what you see. You're excited on the on the day in question, the day three. We'll talk about what happened, I think, in a, in, in a, in a separate part of this show today. But your experiences of it, you, you seemed excited on that day. You, you, I saw you tweet something with a photo Good vantage point from the ground. The day was set. That was when Australia was leading by 60 or thereabouts with one wicket down. Day three about to begin, I think. And, and I, like you, like you, I, I was sitting down at 3 o'clock Melbourne time waiting for what I thought was going to be a great test match win. And then an hour later, it was just dismal. But the you plate, seemed excited. The plate was set beautifully, wasn't it? It you was. You thought that something great would happen on the day. It had been a really cool experience. I was amazed to see the passion of the Indian fan base firsthand. I was amazed how many of the fans knew Jared Waitley and had listened to his call via our socials. And I was really quite blown away by the, just sort of the ground we're making a little bit at SEN Cricket and the Indian fraternity. And then to see... So, so how long have we been going, Jane? Is it about 90 seconds, 95 seconds? We've got the first SEN ad in here. I, I just wanted your experience as Hutchie. I, I didn't that want wasn't my, the Jared Waitley reference. I didn't experience. want, hey, we're going well. That was my experience. And then to see the, the complete meltdown... <laughs> It was an it was a top shelf meltdown, wasn't it? Yeah, from the Australian team. I think we'll get to that at some stage today. But media, I, I want to just talk about the you media over in India. swing happened very quickly. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved Alan yeah. Border's uh, input into that. And I want to get your opinion yeah. on that, so you wouldn't have heard it live over there. Um, I just want our, to talk about you. Players were sweeping yeah. <laughs> in their coverage long before we were getting out sweeping <laughs> yeah. during the innings, which yeah. is fair enough. Yeah. Uh, you in India? I, I said last week. I don't know whether this is the right thing to talk about, but I just couldn't visualise you. You thought that I would not handle the conditions. I, I was fearful, Hutchie, and, thought, and I don't know whether I'm, I should admit yep. to that. But I, as a mate, I was you thought fearful. the food was going to be an issue. I thought the food was going to be an yep. issue. I thought you just may not. You may get check into your hotel and then not see a part of India, but everything was good. It was with the food. It's all about shot selection. <laughs> So when you get a when you get a great meal at a great venue, go back, go hard, go early, <laughs> and when you're a little bit in two minds, i.e. the lunch provided at the cricket, <laughs> let the ball go through to the keeper. Well, you'd be the only journalist or media person who wouldn't be partaking in the free lunch at the cricket because that that's a that's a, yeah, uh, a, a a right of a journalist's I, life. As you know, cricket, I, as I know, we used to get them at Shield cricket matches. As you know, I like I don't mind risk in life, but I always run the risk reward factor <laughs> on any situation, and the risk reward on the food at the venue was a little bit in the uh, in the opposite direction but it was it was a fascinating experience and not to get too too deep but the I expected it but the gap between the haves and the have-nots in India and the to see the poverty some of the poverty you see it's and, in your face uh, and it's at the car door and, and traffic lights and there's a performance from kids who are then uh, trying to um, get you to provide some funds to them, then when and if you do, that invites 20 others to chase you and endanger themselves down the street. And you're just you're torn the whole time between the the kind of humanitarian side of things and the practicality of the danger you're creating if you do tip at traffic lights. That was my one of my big takeaways. And I I had read about it, but to see it firsthand mm. was was pretty confronting. Hot, humid, 
Yeah. But it was just like, it's just a magic place for cricket. Uh, I was probably a little intimidated going there for the first time, but I, I, I thought it was an incredible experience. Loved it. It came across well on TV, particularly that second test. Big crowd. Yeah. And, and those that complain about stadia infrastructure in Australia, <laughs> best not tour India anytime because they, they've got zero interest in stadia upkeep or in investment in facilities or in any of those things that we demand in our sport. For them, it's just people are going to go anyway and you know, yeah. do your best. Yeah. That's a TV sport. And it, there's a whole degree of mayhem and a hustle that comes with it, which was kind of fun too. So, Look, there's a heap to get through today, and you may have missed some of it. You might well, have even I've been, been away. And I've, yeah. I've, I've been away, and I missed the whole Jack Ginnivan yep. bit. Yep. But this looks like it's got hooks everywhere in it from a media perspective, so I want to get my hooks into you on this. It's very sounding board, I think, what yeah. happened here. Yeah. So let me get this straight. Channel 7 have broken the story. Yep. They've done some sort of sweetheart deal with Collingwood that they got it early and hold this for us and give us some time to tell everybody sort of routine. I'm going to tick that little statement as well. From this, so you, yep. you actually don't know what happened here, by the way, before we talk? I've just, I've just read it online. Yep. We've got uh, Tom Brown and Tom Brown, Tom Brown, and the Maasai in split screens. Yeah. <laughs> a, to kind of... How yeah, many of our, of our lovely listeners <laughs> sent us that? <laughs> a, to stop them fighting over the story, and B, probably just to put that extra degree of arm's length for Tom into the situation, well, given his dad's presence. You may not have picked up on this, because you were obviously seeing it secondhand through social media postings and people tagging us in on the set. They, neither of them got the big interview, though. So how does that work? How did, <laughs> and then Nick McCallum, who's, yeah. I think... Just having a look at this picture here on the rundown, it's one of the great framing efforts for Nick. <laughs> and and Nick's been and is a, you know a wonderful, great and, and much loved Juno. You know. Yep. But he saw the opportunity for a little reminder. <laughs> yep. Framing in, I know I'm going to get usurped here by the Mitch and Tom split screen show. <laughs> yes. So Damo on camera. Shiny. Shiny. Yeah. Old mate. 0419 396, et Don't go. Frame no. me in, Damo. And the whole time. In fact, if we could just see a little bit of Jack to the right yeah. and a whole lot of Nick to the left. Yeah. And so he's been well framed. But how did he come to do the interview and not do the story? Explain. Give me the whole. All right. I want everything. I'll, I'll piece it together the best I can. And there will be little bits of this, Hutchie, that that, that I believe will be right. But they they might be move, in dispute. Move yeah. move quickly. Okay. But, but give us the deep. Like, give us the detail. So Thursday, not and we're talking today, a bit later than normal. It's four p.m. on Tuesday, I think today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah four p.m. Tuesday. Time so. reference for those following along yeah. at home. No, we need yep. to. We need to. Uh, okay. Go back. Go back Thursday of last week. Uh, Collingwood's made aware of this image and, and, and video being shopped around. Uh, pretty quickly... The they... person who shot the vision is shopping it. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, and Seven have said, yes, we're prepared to pay for it. Uh, well, they've engaged in dialogue with Collingwood Footy Club, as far as I can tell at this point. And in fact, they have. They so, would have had to have had the video to do that, though. I believe so. So they've paid for it. Well, they've got it. Now, what I'll say about that is th- there may not have been a financial component to the video, but there was currency on the video. Does what that, does that, that make sense? Well, the, the video flushed the story out, and Seven, having seen it... Yeah, but the person who shot it is not giving it to Seven without some cash, are they? Well, it doesn't usually happen that no. way, does it? Yeah. So they've paid for it. Well, there are other media outlets subsequent to Thursday night that I know were aware of it. I'm assuming had seen it as well. Yeah, so they've so, seen it, but they would have had to... Have, the only other scenario is that they bluffed Collingwood whether they had it and they didn't have it. Well, they had it. No, I believe that. They had, yeah. they, they had seen it, yeah. Well, so they, I've been told they, then they, they paid saw for it. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's that's a jump, and I'm not prepared to go there, but I don't know whether you're going to I'm asking that with a question yeah. mark at the end. And if, yeah. But, yeah. So, no, look, you're probably right, but I don't know that, Hutchie, the way we try and get to the bottom of these things. Um, Ginevan confirmed it straight away to Collingwood, to his credit, and there's not too much to his credit out of all of this, but he did. 
now, this is the interesting bit, Hutchie. By early Friday afternoon, Ginevan is talking to Nick McCallum, camera rolling. I say that because the time frame's interesting. Ginevan was sometime after the interview about to play in a scratch match with Collingwood. No one knows the story at this stage. Nick McCallum's done the interview. Interview not seen until 6 p.m. Saturday. And I've subsequently learned that I would imagine there was some nice media management from Collingwood's perspective. The guy shouting to hang on to it. Yeah. Because of, A, the scratch match and the desire of Ginevan to play in said scratch match, knowing it would be his last competitive hit out for at least four, five, six weeks, whatever's given the sanction that was effectively brokered by that stage. And also, too, beyond that practice match, there was a launch, a season launch of sorts from the Collingwood Footy Club. You can imagine it. Corporates in in the club rooms. Don't want to be distracted by a drug scandal story on this at said night. So, so the, interview done in the can. No one knows about it till, till, till basically 36 hours later so the or deal, thereabouts. The deal goes, 30 hours later. The deal goes, look, we acknowledge you've got the story and we acknowledge you've got the video and we wish you didn't. Please don't, please don't, please don't. Okay, well, look, if you're going to do it, here's a scenario that- You do not do it till 6 p.m.? If you can do us- I'm a, assuming this. Yeah, if you can do us a favour yeah. and, and hold it 24 hours till Saturday night- We'll give you Jack- We'll give you Jack. So yep. that, they traded his interview off against yep. the, the timeliness of it. Yep. So that was that was an old school yep. value swap. Yeah. Wasn't it? And it's, I'd say it's pretty smart media management, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, I mean, it he was worth he was worth waiting twenty four hours for, I think. Hmm. If you had the if you had the interview with and so the other thing they bargained it was the non use of the video. Didn't they? That video didn't run, did it in the end? Yeah, look, on that. On that, I don't believe a media outlet could run it from what I've been told. I don't want to see it. Someone offered to say, I don't want to see it. But what I've been told, Hachi, and, and this is this is, this is grubby, the video starts at the bottom of the cubicle where it's, you know, there's a bit of a gap between the door and the floor. So it starts underneath, vision not great. Then vision goes, moves up the door and then comes over the top of the door. So it, it's ugly. It's grubby. It, and And... Whatever you want to say about Jack Ginevan, there's an element of of privacy in that moment. I, I would argue, and I think for a media outlet to dare run that, they wouldn't have known with confidence how the public was going to react to that. And I would I would estimate and predict the public would have turned on said media outlet at some stage of the storytelling. So you don't think that they would have run it anyway? No, Seven. I've been told it was unusable. So have have they? I think they've just have they obtained the video, and we won't. We'll, Fall short of saying paid for. I don't have a problem. They've with certainly it. obtained it. I'm com- comfortable in saying they've obtained have it. Have they obtained it with the with the means of giving them a chip at the table to negotiate Absolutely. on the interview? And it might have been. I'm not a poker player, yeah. but it might have been a, a six of hearts, and they managed to get the what is it? The straight flush by by yeah. way of brokering it out. Because once Ginevan admitted to Graham Wright, if you offered there's a story there, if you were at seven and you were offered the video, would you have paid for it? No, nah, well, personally, no, I, I'm not, I, you know, and you've seen me in these situations where I do not want a bar of those types of stories. Yep. I, now, again, I've been part of them when, through other organisations and you know one or two of them, but not through my organisation or, or brokering personally. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I yep. think, I was just thinking. You, you probably would and, and have. I mean, we've discussed this many times in the past. I, I, I could tell you how I would have reacted when I was there. Yeah. So I don't know about now. <laughs> But when I was there, <laughs> they're different people. When I was there, I would have absolutely paid for it. Yeah, and you would have run it too. I, I reckon. Would, I would you would have, have just run it. No, it would have been. No, it would. Have, this is what I know exactly how it would handle. So, I it wouldn't have been my money. So, like, so, so, so you would have been high. So, if if Seven want to pay for it, that's their prerogative. And my job is to convince them it's a good investment. But I would have actually used it. I would, what I would have said to Conley, and I'm just being fully transparent, mm. is there's a video being shopped. Yep. 
it's gone around everywhere. Um, many eyes have seen it. Not something of our doing. We're offered it like everyone else. I've taken the liberty of buying it off the market. <laughs> so you're doing them So flavor. it's now no longer available to anyone. <laughs> but now we've got a problem between ourselves. How best will, are we to deal with this? Are we best to deal with it on this story? And indeed, how are you going to deal with Jack on this? Or are we best to deal with it on another story? Well, I, I would have told you that's how it's happened. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly how I foresee have seen this happen. And yeah. then, and then there'd have been enough panic at the other end to say, "Look, oh, complete panic at all ends." We're going to speak to Jack. About There's this. panic at Seven's end at this stage too, because I don't, think, I don't think you could run the video. Well, both parties are in a bit of a game of bluff from that point. I think there's a privacy component to this. Yeah, if Jack think, wants to play I'm that, with you. I, don't, I think push comes to shove. They're blurring it out or they're saying they've got it but not yeah. really showing it kind of thing. And again, I've also been told what you can see is is a person doing said act. There is no, from what I've been told, no obvious link to that being um, Jack. Yeah. But, 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 but in subsequent footage on the night in question, you can line up T-shirt, cap, pants to prove yep. in some way that it was him. Now, that that's Both actually with- come from another media outlet who also saw it. Both Collingwood and Jack were in a position to try and stare this down though and say, oh, well, you reckon you got the video? I'm not saying it's us. I'm not saying it's not. You want to run it? You run it. They were in that position that they wanted to be. Yeah. They handled it the right way, which was to deal with it. He confessed and owned up. Uh, the sanctions aren't tough. We don't. We know all about that. And the stigma really doesn't stick anymore. That Bailey doesn't. Smith was on to the next thing the next day. Like it's a modern world we're living in, right, wrong or indifferent. There's no shock, is there? So they've done what I would have done, which is okay. You got us. This is how we're going to handle it. We're going to make ourselves available. We're going to do it this way at our timing. And I guess Seven probably got a little bit of reward for their risk that they took. Oh, good reward. Might yeah, have getting, lost... getting the player in yeah. question on camera, that, that, that's a, it's confirmation of what you yeah. believe you have. And then, then you've got the exclusive interview. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a, it, unfortunately, news is a outcome business. So yep. nine and 10 may have behaved more admirably here in the process, but have come up short. So that... If you're like over there, you're going, well, we did the right thing. We thought it wasn't in the public interest. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, that there's a ratings that everyone gets judged on and they had the Collingwood star. and mm. So they had hats off to them. They, they, but they, had, they had to take some risk to do it. And I, I bet you they had some blues on the way. These things are always full of six or eight yelling matches on the way through, aren't they? Well, there's internal yelling matches too. Oh, then, and then there's that, father that, and son. So talk to me about that. How does that work? Well, let me go to the Collingwood side of it first. Yep. You, you've got effectively a new... Um, chairperson in, in Jeff Brown. Yep. And and you've dealt with him personally, professionally. I have from afar as well. No one calls more shots than Jeff Brown. You've got a brand new CEO in Craig Kelly. Same person in, in terms of calling shots at every level and every stage. Outspoken on the issue too. Outspoken on, every, on the issue itself. Yeah. yeah, in fact, very good point. Uh, you've got Graham Wright, who's as seasoned a football boss as there's ever been. And you've got Nadine Rabar, who's come from the AFL and is central to everything that goes on. There, there are some Big, powerful people in that in that how this is going to be held and 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 controlled situation. Talk to me about um, the Jeff and Tom element of this and how that goes down. So you got the president who's Jeff, yep, and you got his son Tom who's on the story sent. Yep. How does that work? I don't know. I don't, I don't claim to know how it worked. All I do know is that the interview was done with Nick McCallum, and and that's I mean, our list has picked up on that on the night it happened. Yep. We, we got tagged in that. Screenshot think, of Mitch think, and Tom. Do you think Tom says, I can't be seen to be doing this? I would doubt Tom said but that. But I'd be very. I, mean, no, I, I, I don't know, but I would but doubt Tom said that. Fair go. I'm, I'm driving this story. My colleague, you can't be doing it at my expense either. So we've got to find Nick McCallum. He's ended up Switzerland in the seven <laughs> duke out, hasn't he? I, I, I could see He's that. He's the safe haven. 
It's the safest bed of all time, putting Nick McCallum into that story or anyone else in the yeah. Seven Newsroom at that point in time. Yeah, Nick- Collingwood's got the distance from Nick's- you know the, the family situation and, I- and the rival of Tom internally doesn't... I- and yeah. I see a little reinvention of Nick here that's available. <laughs> Could he be the facilitator of... When there's a one-all draw in the fights between Nick and Tom, with Tom and... Could he be the like the break glass in case of mention guy that gets wheeled in to say, well, Tom says this, Masai says that. You know, my role here is Nick McCallum. I'll do it. it was that the Switzerland role? <laughs> He's Switzerland, isn't he? Yeah. And then you've got other media outlets who who got wind of it, as far as I can tell, Hutchie, after the event, by the way, and, and then throwing the toys out of the cot for not being able to strike the deal as quickly as seven oh, then did. There's a retrospective uh, morals that I didn't see any of this because I was away, but I, this used to happen. I remember when I told a story about the Ablett interview that when he offered his tape around and I got, the, right. got the exclusive. It's a very similar <laughs> story. This, right. Everyone says, we were offered this story on Friday, but chose to pass. <laughs> Which, Meanwhile, they're running excerpts of your have interview. You, have you heard any of those on the weekend? <laughs> yeah. Well, I read one. I read one. <laughs> Who was that? Oh, no, I'll let it go. Don't get me started here on summer. Speaking of, are we ready to move off that? Or you... Yeah, I think we're done yeah. on that one. Yeah. Speaking we of, looked at for all <laughs> you mentioned Jeff Brown there. Yep. You asked me to tell a Hammerhead's War story. No, you need, we need to because we flagged it two weeks ago. We just completely forgot about it last yep. week, so we need to go. This is not a particularly, this wasn't one I had earmarked, but a little one on the club. So you, 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 and, you and your war stories are making a return? The club was a TV show. 20 years ago, which uh, was a uh, creation of Tim Watson and myself. Yep. We went to Seven and said, how about we start a reality television show? 2000 and, when you say 20 years ago, could you recall the exact? 2001, one? I reckon. Yep. Or two, 2002. First year, Seven lost to footy. Okay. They had a massive hole in what are we going to do? Right. That year, for whatever reason, I think 2001, I played half a dozen reserve games in Warrigal with my old mates. Did you? <laughs> Just, I had a gap in the radio schedule or something. It was the last time I played kind of. Yeah. So, again, just for those and, and, who don't know and aren't familiar with the yeah, story, so I'll tell you you back, j- just snapshot your pitch to Channel 7. So here, so we were driving back to the city, and I said, well, a lot of Warrigal mates who now lived in the city, and I said, well, we should have a kick somewhere together next year in Melbourne, get 20 of us. And they were like, oh, clubs, there's no clubs going to take 20. I'm like, why don't we start a club? And we always go to the extreme. And, and the money that can and, be made out of such an idea. And my mates said... No one, no one starts. Every club's been around 50, 60, 40 years. Like no, no new clubs just bob up overnight. Like that doesn't happen. And I thought, gee, that's not a bad idea for a television show. <laughs> so I took it to Tim and Tim had some even better ideas and we kind of put it together. And Tim Cleary. Tim Watson. Tim Watson, sorry. And he and he was well connected. In, so I was a bit of the, uh, I was on the outer in Sydney, whereas Tim was very much. He, if, was, if, this, was this after? Um... If Channel 7 nationally was a AFL engine room, I was an outside player bought on as a subs vest and Tim was very much inside distributor of the ball. So he, he had the keys to the decision makers. Is this after the, you calling Marvel Stadium or Colonial Stadium? The, uh, yeah, the, I think the, so. The desert? Yeah, what did you call it again? The, Death Valley? Death Valley. That's anyway, right. so we pitched, pitched the idea. Uh, what about we start a real league, real real club in a real league. We went out to Kensington. It's a great idea. It, it's it was still, a, it is still a great idea today. Time. Yeah, so we, we've got a team in the Western Region Football League. We travelled Australia in a short period of time. Yeah, I, an established competition too, wasn't it? Yeah, WRFL. Um, there was a vacant ground in Kensington. We found they had one spot left in the league. We had to go through all the governance of that. Uh, we dealt with the league and the general manager really. And, and you wouldn't have dealt with any of that because logistics no, all, and you. Had... No, I did all that personally. Yep, in every meeting, uh, every pitch, it was like it was great. And I, we had no equity in it. We were just staffers. I had to audition to host it, and I nearly missed that. So it took took three months to get that job. Who, who nearly got it? I don't know, but I, 
I, I was lucky, I think, in the end to hang on. I knew the project so well. It was probably the only thing that got me over the line. Anyway, we had this big job to do, 7.30 on a Thursday up against Getaway, and we're commissioned. <laughs> we go to market with marketing, collateral. It's going to be called The Club. The viewers are going to pick the name, the song, the coach. We auditioned. We had um, female it's, players. It's almost before its time, isn't it, in its concept? We had Ginny Ball among the coaching process, which would have been great. Dave Reese jones won it. And the, the viewers would make all the decisions on vote at home. And it was and it was live. Jenny would have been great. Would have been great. Anyway, the day of the first show, live studio audience for at South Melbourne. It's eleven in the old building, old seven. No, Docklands, which was brand new at the time, two thousand and two or whatever it is. Studio audience, going to be huge. Warm up guy was Shane Jacobson, who I've talked about in the past. Had <laughs> <laughs> to say his career went a little bit past mine pretty quickly <laughs> as an identity. And he was a popey. At midday, I get the call. There's a problem. What's happened? The Western Region Football League, who we've dealt with every day for eight months, have now decided they want a big TV rights check <laughs> for vision, and they've employed a lawyer to negotiate for them. So we've done we've done the deal, signed a contract, and we've done eight months of negs. You know, we're going to play in your league, and we're going to help all the teams with attendance. Because that league just lit fire that year on the back of it. We're getting 6,000, 7,000 games, and... But they decide they want a TV rights check, and you'd admire that that off or that that that, that threat. Deep At the down, time, I was yeah. filthy because yeah. I'd been in thirty meetings. We had a clear. But you'd deal. respect someone asking for cash, though, wouldn't you? You'd... At the front, I would have. <laughs> but like, it was clear what we we're going to we we're going to bring hundreds of thousands of dollars of activity to the league. It was clear. Didn't matter what. Didn't matter how bad the show was. It was going to fly in attendance and yeah. uh, and sponsorship for clubs and all those things in the league. But they on the last day on show day threatened to put an injunction on the show and they wheeled in to represent them, Jeff Brown. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never said before. And so Jeff, who just did what anyone would do, he answered the phone call and was, yes. And he was obviously managing Eddie at the time at Channel 9 who would kind of keep you half an eye on the project. So yeah, I'd be delighted to act for you. And then that went on for about, I believe those talks went for six hours or something stupid on the day. And I was just back at the studio, any word yet? No, and People walked in with eyes rolled, and I, and I think I don't know. I think the network rolled over in the end, and paid, wrote, you did wrote, pay. Wrote a, well, does Jeff ever leave the room without a check? No. <laughs> <laughs> Good on him. But uh, that's what happened on day one. It nearly didn't go to air because of a late rights bid, and that sort of set the scene for a dramatic year. Um, now I've discouraged you and your your war stories over the years, but I, as I walked in today, I actually overheard you speaking to someone else about another war story, which did interest me about your call of a particular game on Channel 7. Now, I don't want to do back-to-back war stories on this episode, but, Jane, we might flag this one for a future episode. The, the, the f- infamous Western Bulldogs-Richmond stoush where yep. Matthew Knight's had his face um, torn apart, Hutchie has got a good war story to tell about that. So we'll just tease that for a future episode. Next week we'll do that yeah. for you, for sure. And I believe, according to your my overheard you telling the story, Audio to a company. Audio to a company yeah. on, on both accounts. So that'll get played next week. Just um, I've got a bit more. got another little media exclusive for you too. Actually. Oh, just before you do that, yeah. just the last one on the Hammerheads. Yeah. Quick one more. Shorter. Did you just, Was that too long? I'm going like that. I'm, I'm moving my hands closer right. to get like, like short. We, we cast a concreter <laughs> called Chubb out of Caratha. Big, relatable, you know, <laughs> been, been seen better days guy. Big forearms. But a, but a really like knockabout, like look like the, the local labourer, right? He was best part of 40 and best part of 20, 30 kilos overweight. And he was his story, could he make the team? We built around him. He was a character. 
during that year, well, you flew him in. It's my understanding that he, um, that he during the year uh, began dating a very high-profile Australian <laughs> figure who was on the show from time to time, and would have made an unbelievable social story. <laughs> and I and did you know about this at the time? I knew about. It. I trained with the team to get all the mail. What was going on? I used to go and kick the ball on the Thursday night and to get the story. Get the stories right. And that was on Tuesday night, so that was the best way to do it. And I could not convince the producers of its truth. Can you tell this story? So that's one we might park again for next week. But <laughs> he was in a high-profile three-month relationship with a, a very high-profile uh, wow. Australian leading figure who I'm sure would have been very open to being on the program. And this could have been like one of those great- One of those, one of those influencer-type arrangements. It could have been the Bachelor slash Maths before that even began, and we could have ridden this all the way to the ratings <laughs> tree. But nope, no one could believe the possibility of, of an old mate from Karatha swinging hands with anyone. And that's all we've got time for today on episode four of series eight of the sounding board for Drinkwise. Oh, Hutchie's just told his, uh, his war stories again. There we go. Um, no, I actually do have one for you today, Hutchie. Yep. Um, and I think it will intrigue you because you do like peculiarity in, in stories. And I think I th- there's a few peculiarities in this one, I think. I think. Okay. Um, 12, we've told this story a few times on the sounding board. I think it was 2010, wasn't it? Um, you sat myself and Terry Wallace down in that old boardroom. Oh, we don't need uh, to go through the trade radio stories. Again, we, we, well, I, just, everyone, I, need, I need to to set it up. Everyone knows it's that just, one. <laughs> don't worry. I'm just so, setting it up. I'm just setting had, it up. We, we started and, something back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> called it's Trade right. Radio. It's become a phenomenon. I think people and, across it. And I, and I admit to this at the time, admit to it every time we talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I said to you it's the worst idea I think yeah. I've ever heard, and it's become the greatest maybe outside the Hammerheads, the greatest media product that, that has been created outside of the obvious for, for many years. So much so that there's a, I mean, it's, it's into its 12th, I think, year now, isn't it? 12th, 13th Imitation year. is a Lots of, form of lots clarity. of, yeah. Yep. Um, and the next best at it, I will say with confidence, is Cal Toomey in that space. I, I think he has- well, he's a part sad, of Trade Radio. He's part of Trade Radio. He uh, does a lot of good work on the AFL platform. Build a career he, he, he's, out of the futures market, he has. He has. He has. He's actually just started a, a fresh show called Gettable with Riley Beveridge. And yep. I, I think he's the nice best brand. Nice yep. brand. Yep. Yep. Um, I can tell you today, Hutchie, that oh, there's going we go. to drum be- drum roll, Jane. Actually, here's a drum roll, Jane. <laughs> there's going to be another entry into the trade space of, of people you know really well, actually. Right. And I have had this confirmed. Yep. Privately. Yep. Mitch Cleary of Channel 7. Yep. Sam McClure of 3AW are going- into partnership with Dylan Buckley to do a trade show. What? <laughs> with Dylan Buckley? Yes. I, I don't know whether Dylan Buckley's part of it. A trade show? But it, like I as in like a, go to a trade fair exhibition? Or... <laughs> a football a trade football show. Tra- what, a trade time? No, I got the impression that it's going to be an ongoing offering long before trade period. So they're going to go on a podcast every week during the season. I think it's on, I don't could... know whether Dylan's part of it, but it's it's on Dylan's platforms. And Dylan's a big player in this space. So is he produced, Dylan producing it? I don't know if he's producing it, but he's. Yep. But I believe it's done through the Dylan Friends sort of reach. Yep. But, and he's as good as there is in that space when Very it comes good. to them. Very yep. good. So, Masai. That can't, that can't be true. It is true. What? <laughs> so, do, do you feel threatened now in the trade threatened? space? Threatened? Yes. <laughs> I think um, you feel threatened. I don't feel it in any way. I think what we've built is very, very cool and uh, c- continues to evolve and get better and better. But can I just address that for a sec? <laughs> Each to their own, far be it for me, because we've got enough of our own challenges. But there must be some collaboration there with 
the employers involved, although it's hard to imagine seven and nine coming together because Dylan Buckley's reach is so strong and trade is such a digital first product and news, if you want to get further into it, is such a digital first product that if I am specifically Channel 7, there's no way known I'm letting Mitch do that. No way known. <laughs> so you, you would bar a young reporter doing what you would have done yourself a long time ago, branch out, put your fingers into other pies. Well, that's like, have that you, would be like starting a plumbing franchise and letting him go and fix sinks on the side during the day. <laughs> Honestly, if they're, they're, they're invested in him. I, I, don't, I, I can't don't, imagine. I don't, I don't begrudge him earning a great living, by the way. And I, I'm not, this is not about Mitch, but I just there must be a seven commercial element to this. Like it must be a, you know, like a seven plus or something. Because I can't imagine Mitch breaking something on that not, podcast that he doesn't break on seven. It, it doesn't matter. that you're, he, he wouldn't. Even the, the observational stuff you do cuts into your core job. And he already goes too far on his Twitter stuff, which we've talked about in the past. <laughs> He gets about 43 seconds on Channel 7 know, after but, Tom takes over the first know, but, segment and runs for a minute and a half. But he's no, got about 45 seconds at best. But they, they've invested in him and him and them, and it's been a great relationship for each other. His on-air presentation has grown significantly, he's, and his yarn breaking's always been Maybe, really maybe good. a podcast could be the next and, foray into furthering all of that. And the blurred lines of that, there's no way I'd be stomaching that at L7. Well, it's done. Well, it's, well so, so they yeah. must be involved commercially. Which is which is a different story altogether. Yeah. But you got someone you've invested in, you've actually helped grow and foster. No, but it might just be a furthering of the stories he breaks on seven. But they, that's how, that's how everyone pitches it to their boss, don't they? But it never <laughs> it never ends up that way, <laughs> no, does it? You pitch it as good good exposure for us and all this sort of, and we'll reach a new audience and more people of Dylan's audience are going to suddenly be turning on the channel seven news and all that's just nuts. That's a totally different environment, and it is a digital distribution. It's of, a competitive space oh, now. One hundred percent. No, no. I think you're threatened by this. And Sam's a freelancer. I, I think your problem's Sam's a freelancer. Well, no, Sam's he, he's got AW, he's got the age. Oh, don't just because you. No, hang on. No, no. Well, I'm defending. He's if he's this a, wasn't um, Mitch and Sam. You'd have, you'd have a different view on this. Like. No, I'm saying Sam. I can understand from Sam's point of view because he's not employed full time by anyone. I don't think is he. Like he's. Got, I would have thought he a, provides, a, a nightly radio show on on the premier station. Yeah, it's free to air AM. In Melbourne, is is a full time gig, Hutchie. I, I think that's a pretty full time okay. gig. Yeah, well, and and I think your business business now is showing out on that because he he's not working for you. No, we always have these chats, he and I, because he's really they're both brilliant what they do. That'll be a good that would be a great show. I would listen to it, <laughs> but I just wouldn't allow it. <laughs> that's just being honest. It won't be as good as getting. That's a compliment. That's a compliment to them. <laughs> is it? Anyway, Gettable is also on AFL.com.au. Um, Hachi, let's dive into the crickets. How often does Gettable come out, by the way? Weekly. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's, a, new, it's a new offering, and it's, it's already been launched. Yeah. yeah. It's more often than your daily podcast comes out. <laughs> You're like the Woman's Weekly now, Monthly, and the Woman's... Hachi, you, yeah. you, would, you would cry for the numbers that AFL Daily oh, does. here we go. Cry. Well, if you've got that much confidence in your numbers, why don't you subject them to the podcast ranking like the rest of us do? The, pod, the podcast ranker, the, 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 the raudable podcast ranker it. that 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 you you, you you knew where the where all the rorts were, and then everyone else follows you doing them. You you dodge the industry accountability. At least they have the courage to front up to it. I might not agree with it, but I front up anyway. <laughs> front up and what put out put out a million the podcast ranker posts off is, the one five minute segment. There's not a person in the country who hasn't signed up to it other than you. There's, there's many, so you can't actually many organisations that choose not to, Hutchie, because no. they know how rotted it is. Name me one. Name is, me one. Are Hamish and Andy on it? Yes, 100%. They're they never the biggest, used to be. They're the biggest product. They are. The, well, they're the biggest at everything In fact, the prosecution rests your honour. 
No more. No further evidence will be needed on this one. I'll tell you though, you would cry for the numbers that the AFL Daily gets now. Oh, if you could actually get them audited, that'd be a good good start. You don't need them audited. Well, are you talking about audited AFL, numbers now? You, in all seriousness, AFL.com, if it's going to be in this podcast space, should sign up to the podcast ranker. If okay. they're that good, then you'll win. <laughs> all right, I'll suggest it to you. Yeah, it. there you go. All right. Now, the cricket. Um, a lot of criticism with what happened, and you were there firsthand. There's even been some criticism that, that Alan Border went too far, Hutchie. Now, I watched the Fox coverage because I sat down at 3 p.m. on Sunday thinking this is going to be a great day's cricket, and, and it, it was for the wrong reasons. He he actually got physically yep. restless. He, he was shaking. He was actually shaking at one stage. He was moving in his chair. He was brimming, and I've seen in, in recent oh, days uh, after the Sunday that that – some people felt he went too far. I, I don't think he went far enough. We've got, in Australian cricket still, and we've talked about a lot on this uh, platform over the last couple of years, you've still got the divide, significant divide between the old school and the young school. And the Australian cricket team is symbolic of society. You've got do your time, tough it out era, and you've got have emotional empathy, care, and social responsibility era. Yep. And the Australian cricket team is caught in a, a slow arm wrestle now, it was it was a quick punch on early. Yeah, everyone went back to their corners. Yeah, and people coexist all right when you're making five hundred against the West Indies and you're knocking over the visiting touring team for two hundred and sixty on a Gabba green top that suits us. It just goes away the problem when you go to the great frontier of Australian sport. You go in with an unfit team. You um, last thirty overs or thereabouts play, in each of the last yeah. two second innings. Steve Smith. Give them the thumbs up when someone beats the bat in the first test. I didn't like that. That's either. I was with AB Alan, on that. Alan Border off, and in the second test, when the whips are absolutely cracking, and the team is goes to water uh, without showing any of the grit of an old era, it just brought up all the <laughs> yeah. philosophical differences yep. between yep. tough it out and you know, oh, all well, these things happen. You know, well done, guys, you beat us. Like it's just it's symbolic of the different eras, right? And I'm not. Yeah. But leaning one way or another on this. Well, you, actually, I am, just, I am leaning one. I thought Alan Border was in perfectly entitled to have the view. Oh, I, I was actually hoping he went even a bit harder, but he, he couldn't have, actually, yep. when it's all said and done. But you just knew, Archie. And, and again, I know the era thing, and the, the, there's an age and stage thing, and then the reflection of, of, of you know, I'm now 50, in my 50s, you're in your late 40s, of Alan Border's greatness growing up through a difficult era where you just knew the only way out for Australian cricket was for Alan Border to hang around wasn't it? Yep. In every single innings. And he'd hang around and, and and scuff and grit his way through all sorts of turmoil. And even if Australia lost, you just knew you had this this immeasurable pride in that person representing your country in those moments of of, of grief when it comes for, for sporting loss. And it missed an old school voice in the dressing room, didn't it? Like the, it did. The coaching staff is relatively inexperienced in, um, glo- in test cricket and global Big game occasion, so it's it was an easy place to lay the blame. It missed, dare I say, a Langer type in the dressing room. Just to, just to say to the next guy going out, hey, put the look me in away. the eyes before you put your your gloves on as you walk out. Look me in the eyes and tell me you will not get out until lunch. Yeah, so just, as a starting point. Yeah, we're going to take the steam out of the game. Just, just you look me in the eyes. I don't want to speak to you if you don't if you yeah. are out before lunch. Yeah. I mean, the, the captain shot was was symbolic of that. Oh, oh. I even thought in the aftermatch interview he didn't. I know his style is very different. Pattern has been very successful, admittedly against 
you know, with the exception of maybe Pakistan against. Oh, you, you can't. Oh, he's, his leadership style is different to his, his actually bowling skill set because he's he's an all time Australian great. He's an all time bowling great yep. already. I mean, he averages when, low when 20s. You go out, when you go out like that, you have to front up and have a bowl. Don't you? You can't you bowl in the second innings. You can't let that be your last act in the game. You didn't bowl in the second innings. And then, secondly, you, as captain, you needed someone on the way out the door to say, Oi, put the shots away for 15 balls and yep. tough us out. But even, even okay, it was, a, it was a spinning pitch. You were there, you saw it. Uh, even just to say, okay, I'm going to give myself six overs here and I'm just going to run myself into the ground. It couldn't have been worse than what they dished up yep. either. Yeah, no, it just didn't, they just seemed, it, it didn't seem like it. Cared, no, they cared. Yeah, that's, that was the feeling I got too. But I know that would be I'm wrong. I'm sure they would have. They got a different way of expressing. Yeah. But they went in with but, a short preparation. But this gets back to the problem, doesn't it? That they got what they wanted. They got the coach. He got the coach. Yeah. Pat Cummins no got doubt. the coach he wanted. Now, Andrew McDonald might be a very good coach. But that's is he going to challenge Pat's attitude? And, and it's hard talking about it now because, as we now know, he's midair flying back to Australia for ha- family health reasons. Yep. So Respect we don't that. know what's happening in that space. And I don't want to make any comment relating to, to him coming back um, as part of his overall conversation. So I'm making my observations and restricting them to what I saw on the TV set in the match itself. And I didn't like it. The, the future Australian team is going to need to find a middle ground between contemporary, you know, how you feel and then – you know, just a bit of resolve, isn't it? Yeah. That's not going to fly in the tough stuff. No, it won't, will it? No. No. Um, Hachi, we speak regularly about uh, anonymous sources and, and people who don't want to have their names attached to, to quotes. I saw a good reference during the week. Um, it was on the uh, Super Footy uh, social media account linked to the Herald Sun. And I do have a screenshot of it. I just got to try and find it. Page. I've written it down in my own notes. Yep. Just while you do that, it was remiss me not to mention, we like to shout out the validators, right? Yeah. Remiss me when we went through Jack Ginnivan. There it is. There's, two, there's a validator, right, which is to give the person the resume as you, as you introduce them. And there's also the go-to, you know, who, who's your go-to per club. <laughs> Peter Hitchener reading out someone else's story, admittedly, and someone else's intro. But Channel 9, in playing catch-up on this story, have nailed the validation and... <laughs> The go-to great. Collingwood great Tony Shaw has urged Jack Ginnivan to spend time with drug victims to fully understand the consequences. He's not just any Collingwood person. He's a great. (laughs) Better tell you that before we tell you who it is. That's that's just good journalism. And And how many times have you done those stories yourself? Hundreds? I don't mind. I'm I'm not criticising it. I'm embracing it. Now, I found the screenshot of this because I I thought I'd better find the screenshot rather than go uh, just off my notes. Um, So... This, this is a post, can you believe, of, a, of an organisation, Superfooty, AFL-style uh, Herald Sun. The purported mother of a former Collingwood footballer has claimed her son's career at the Magpies was ruined after he was introduced to cocaine at his first club social event. Yep. I want to go back to those first three words. The purported, the purported yeah. mother. So I had, actually had to think about this when you shared it on the WhatsApp. The purported I see mother. The, I see this a bit differently. Hachi, she either is the mother yeah. or she isn't I, in, in a media storytelling sense. I, I accept that, but let me challenge that thinking a little bit. <laughs> they were reporting off a, another media off outlet. Off another media outlet, a yeah. radio interview, so, right? So you're saying the washing of hands, which we also talk about regularly, is is justifiable on this occasion? Well, if you said to them, could you guarantee this is the mother, the, the journalist would say, well, no, I can't. I'm just going off what was said on the radio. Yeah. So I need to leave a little bit of an error for... The, the, the purported mother... And then historically, if you do say it's the, mo- the mother and it's not, then you're actually 
you know, forever putting a stamp on something that I'd be putting a line. I'd be, I'd be putting a line through it for, from well, a retelling perspective. I, well, I get that argument, but and the, don't forget, this paper also but, sp- has spent ten years no, no. shooting down the purported mother of an Essendon footballer. Ah, I was going to come. I was going to come back to that because the narrative was to shoot that purported mother down. But hey, on this one, because they were through the toys out of the cot on missing the gin of an interview, they're happy to go with the purported uh, no, mother I, I on off another media outlet, as the other one was, yeah. on this occasion. It's not just any... Like, if it had been on a... I don't want to say the FM, so it'd be unfair, but 3AW is a very respected news platform. I think it was 3AW, wasn't it? I, I believe it yeah. was, yeah. That, that, that would be enough for me to run it, I think. And you'd have to take their, their journalistic clout that they'd done enough background to say I this. know what it would happen in, I would have left in 1989 when I, I had I was I had just turned 18 in late 88 and I, I know that if I dared submit a story to any person of any authority even a colleague yep. the purported mother of said player the the, the sub editor Hutchie let alone the actual sports editor would have said What's this? Yeah. What, what, what is the no. purported mother? Oh, what it's I'd... either the mother or it's not the mother and if it's not the mother spike the story. What what I agree with you on is is that the first two words are jarring. You would have buried that about paragraph eight. You would have said. You would have said. A woman claiming to be the mother of, yeah. Well, that's how I would have started. I probably would have started. And the sub didn't have enough interest levels down to that low. You know, Collingwood is under fire over its drug strategy with new claims emerging tonight. You know, then you would have been buried the, you know, a lady claiming to be the mother of something. But I think if you look back on that famous phone call to Triple M, it's still news eight years on or 10 years on. So. No, but we've got to discredit that one because if you're the Herald Senate, you've got to discredit that one because that means Essendon's guilty. I think you're too hard on them on this one, to be fair. I do. Yeah, I do. I think would you would you run on your platforms the purported mother? No, because we're not a paid platform. So the upside versus downside is just not there. So I would have said, well, if it happened on our platform and we can stand behind it, we'll do it. And we didn't, we won't. Hmm. But we're a free service. So what are we trying to achieve other than you know create our own news and our own content? Now, we, we, funny, do, we, we discussed this. And, and again, that... That, it, it's it's the pain element of those things that distorts the, the editorial decision. That a story like that would would and does drive subscription. So it, it's it's clickbaitable enough where you go. Some people go. I'm not defending the behaviour. Or who is this? I need to read this. I haven't got a Herald Sun subscription. I'm about to. So it does it does drive. So that's why they take more. There's more liberty or more chances taken on those type of things than say I'd like put it this way. Did the, the I don't think the age did it. It happened on their own radio platform, didn't it? They didn't cover it. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, but the, but I, I, yeah. By the way, Damo, it's nice to be here today because it's been six days since I saw you, so we're officially both breaking our silence with each other today, which is <laughs> tremendous. How many people? Even I got breaking. Oh, even I was breaking my silence last week in one of the stories. Like, I'm, I'm meant to get to this earlier. I, I you, speak everywhere, every day, all the time. How, I, what of all it? the people breaking their silence, seems a long time ago. Tim last Tim Watson week. was breaking his silence. He's on radio every morning. <laughs> Here How we does go. that work? Hutchie breaks silence on Morris SEN Lifeline, and you broke your silence on the sounding board. And then, the, and about three days later, it's reported on another outlet. And then Gary and Tim breaking your silence. Gary and Tim spoke about what they would otherwise speak about on the podcast, which was <laughs> the the. the uh, James Heard situation. Watson breaks silence on her relationship. <laughs> He's been asked about it every day for 10 years. <laughs> that, that must keyword so well break silence in that, the. That's the key. Yeah. That, that and the word savage. If someone criticizes someone, yeah. it's so and so, so and so. Savages. Yeah, that's, um, that's the first time I've ever been accused of breaking my silence, by the way, ever. Is it? Can't believe it. I'm never silent. <laughs> I feel sorry for silence though. It's just, it's just, 
regularly broken, Hutchie. Now, question of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to DrinkWise. I don't know where to go with the question of the week. We'll go with this one, Hutchie, on Facebook from Anthony Iacobucci. Why has the media never picked up on the fact that the AFL is the only sporting competition in Australia asked by government to chip in for their stadium builds? No other sporting league in the country has ever put their hand in their pocket. Double standards from government elbow. Is that a tongue-in-cheek question? Yeah, we've talked about this. That, that's that's tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> we've talked about this a lot too along the journey. Like the governments fund most sport in many different ways. The AFL doesn't like putting money into stadiums, Hutchie, does it? No, which is why it's smart what they're doing in Tassie because they know they can put the check in or more of it. There's like, only a small amount of whatever that's going to hold cost. Off. <laughs> Just starve content until you get a, all right, we'll put the check in. <laughs> so I have a different I, view I, on that. I think that's a tongue-in-cheek question the way he's worded it, Anthony, because I, I can't recall the AFL putting too much money into stadiums. And, and their business model when it comes to that is is supreme when it's all, all said and done, isn't it? Yep. That, I mean, their, their ownership of, of Marvel Stadium came after the stadium was built. Hey, um... Can we switch gears for a moment? We can do that. What I missed this too. What happened with Brittany Higgins and Ben Fordham while I was gone? Well, I only caught up on this because people referred us to this. In fact, one of our many regular listeners listeners um, did refer, the, refer to this specific case. So we saw yesterday uh, on the social media platforms of, of Ben Fordham on 2GB in Sydney and, and one of the premier journalists in the, in the country – um, quote from Ben Fordham Live. That's the, the social media handle, at Ben Fordham Live. It is substantially higher than $3 million, close quotes. How much was paid to Brittany Higgins? Question mark. And then there's a link to an article on 2GB.com. Brittany Higgins has responded to this. This headline is just plain wrong. I started the legal process with the coalition government in early 2022. The settlement was well below the reported figure the media has run with, let alone beyond it. I'm going to have to start taking legal action against media outlets. And then on the same at Ben Fordham Live social media handle, capitals, update, open quotes, just plain wrong, close quotes. Brittany Higgins rejects speculation over payout yep. with a story linked that to that. Been, that would have been a lawyer saying. Absolutely would have been. Yeah, Brittany's responded. But guess what? Cover that. Guess what? To your point before about their old son using the purported mother, click on the first story yeah, and, and probably a bigger click on the second. There was a second one, right, where the receipt had to be – did I read somewhere that Brittany had to post a receipt of the donation that she made to the um, the rape centre in uh, Canberra because there was a, a an inference that she planned to donate the funds? Uh, I didn't I read that. that I, I caught that little bit somewhere in the socials too. So, yeah, look, it's – it's gee, you have to feel for – what, what Britney's going through. It's just and horrible. What, and what the Australian newspaper did on the weekend, I, I chose – part of me wanted to go and buy it and just read it with the Linda Reynolds interview. And then I just actually chose not to. I, I just don't want to read it. And the attacking of Brittany Higgins, which with wherever you stand on any part of it – Oh, it's just horrendous. It's And, and how – my opinion on this – again, I don't, I don't – I chose not to read what she then said, but – how she, Linda Reynolds, wants to do that interview and presents herself as a victim in it. Now, now again, I get there's always truth in the middle of a lot of stories, but I think some are just best left, aren't they? Particularly this one. Yeah, it's just it's really sad to read. Yeah, and again, I, I'm saying that having not having chosen not to read the Australian articles on the weekend, which generated the the latest wave and, and ultimately the, the the involvement of Brittany herself in in the actual um exchange with 2GB. Yep.
All right. Good to have you back. Just uh, I've had a heap of tweets about the uh, bloodline in the WWE and the result on Sunday night at uh, <laughs> at uh, the pay per view. I'll just, I'll just for those who are those marks who are listening at the moment. This is my quick view, Damo. <laughs> I think it was the right decision not to put the belt on Sami Zayn just yet. I, the tap into the crowd sentiment in Montreal magnificently. I think the twist in the Usos was the right thing to do. It expands the storyline. They've got some different paths to go to WrestleMania now. I think Cody has to get the belt. I think they've got to make that happen. And it would have been, it would have discredited WrestleMania if they removed Roman right now. They need him undefeated going in. And Sammy, I think, gets the tag belts on night one. And I'd, I'd put it on last and close the show with it. And there's one more twist in it. I think Heyman and his role will be interesting. He might turn on Roman. Who knows? But uh, that would be my... Two bobs worth. Right. There's not one thing you just said there that I have either knowledge or interest in. There'll be 98% Hutchie, but... of the audience who have just fast-forwarded through that, and there'll be 2% with big smiles on their faces, the WWE fans out there. I'm in, I'm in the 2%, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, no, no, sorry, the 98, the 98, the 98. Uh, that was Episode 4, Series 8 of The Sounding Board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.